All right, what's going on? Welcome back into Sports Fighting Daily. How we doing? How the heck have you been? I've done a show in a couple days. Obviously, we were in Las Vegas, Nevada, in the middle of the Mojave Desert, making some money for the Super Bowl, watching the uh, game out there. Just came back. Actually, I got back late on Monday. I'm just going to admit, yesterday, Tuesday, I was dragging. I was like, uh, yeah, I'll do a show in an hour. And an hour came. I was like, oh, I'll do a show a little bit later. And before I knew it, I was just going to bed. So I was like, okay, guess no shows today. But I'm, fi- I'm, I'm finally like rested, back to it. And uh, here we are. So on today's show, we're going to do a little Super Bowl recap. My thoughts on uh, Super Bowl 57, what we ended up seeing. I got some numbers to go along with it. Also, I want to give my thoughts on uh, Billy Walters' interview. Brett, Mur- Brett Musburger sat down with Billy Walters, as it seems like a, a tradition. They're doing it now every year for the Super Bowl. And this year, Brett, Mur- Brett, uh, Brent Musburger excuse me, sat down with him and talked about Billy Walters' new book, Sports Betting, and I've got some thoughts on that interview as well. And then we're going to wrap up with a pick, right? Haven't been haven't been here in a couple days. I figure everyone loves the picks. I've got an NHL game for tomorrow. So we've got something for Thursday. So even if you listen late on a Wednesday, you'll be able to get that in. So all that on today's podcast. Uh, special thanks to a few sponsors of the show. Thrive Fantasy. Uh, Thrive Fantasy allows you to make more money when you parlay player props together. So put two player props together. Go check them on other websites. Chances are you're going to get a 125, a minus 120. It doesn't matter because on Thrive Fantasy, they assume every player prop is minus 110. So you can make more betting those player prop parlays than you can anywhere else. Check them out online or download the app Thrive Fantasy. Put in promo code SBD for a deposit match up to $100. Also want to thank Better Edge. Better Edge has gotten rid of the VIG. So they allow everyone out there to bet risk-free. You can make more when you win. You can lose a lot less when you lose with Better Edge. Online, B-E-T-T-O-R, like sports better, edge.com. Put in Promo code SBD for a free 20 bucks. You don't even have to deposit. Let's put the free $20 in your account. All right, let's get to it. Super Bowl 57. What a great game that was. What a great Super Bowl because it's not always guaranteed the final game of the year is going to be a good one. Go look. Go back and look at Super Bowl history. You're going to get a lot of blowouts in there. Now, it's funny because recently we've actually been getting better games. Historically, the Super Bowl has not always been a close game, but the last couple of years it has been. Three-point game this year, three-point game last year. 31-9 the year before that, but uh, yeah, I mean, I guess it hasn't, <laughs> hasn't been all that close to recently. It's funny, though. You know, you think about Super Bowl, two best teams, but historically, it's just been that way. A lot of blowouts. Great game, though, this weekend. Chiefs getting the 38-35 win. So, thoughts on that game. In general, obviously, uh, we ended up coming away with our biggest bet, Chiefs money line, Chiefs plus one and a half, and, uh, you know, that was... As I said before, when I did the handicap for that game, it's not like we were on the Chiefs because we were fading Philadelphia. Philadelphia's a very good team. We understood why the price was was what it was. We understood why people were on the Eagles overwhelmingly. But, you know, to me, it was just a simple numbers play. And I thought that it came down to coaching, experience. And frankly, that's sort of what ended up happening. Now, we're not going to spend too much time on here. Uh, focusing on what those losers on the other shows talk about, like the the penalty, the non-penalty. And I'm not saying it was or wasn't. I'm saying it's it's moot at this point, right? We don't handicap based on... We, we don't bitch about the, the penalties. It's like whether it was or wasn't. 
we know two things. One, the game didn't come down to that penalty, right? Everything happened during that sequence, and that's why the magnifying glass is on there. But let's not forget that Kansas City was still going to run the clock out, kick the field goal. There probably would have been 40 seconds or so for Philadelphia to work with. That's the only real difference there. So for everyone saying that game was decided on that call, not necessarily. There's a lot of a lot of things that happened before that. Okay, So that's the first thing. And the second thing is you've got to be able to, if you're going to be a good handicapper, you're going to make money betting sports. The main thing that I think is is a hand, is a trait of a good uh, sports better is being able to effectively go back and um, evaluate what happened in any given game. Now, we're going to talk about this phenomenon later on when I mentioned the Billy Walters interview. He mentioned this specifically, but it's very important because if you just look at a game or a score or a box score, it's going to be very difficult to understand what happened. Here, I guess related to the penalty, what matters is if you are the type of sports better to make a sports bet and then blame the referees for you losing that bet, you're not going to get better as a sports handicapper, right? Now, maybe penalties were a large part of that handicap. I would disagree of it of it impacting the game that much, but accurately deciding what happened in the game or accurately depicting what happened in the game is so important. So if you watch a game, any game, whether it's that game or any other sport, whatever, and you, every call goes against you, oh, the fucking referee, can you believe this? And every everything that goes that, that may go against you, you know, every lucky break you get, well, it's just part of the game, right? That's how a lot of us watch these games. And that's a very, very bad way to watch it if you want to improve, improve your power ratings, appropriately grade these teams each week. See, we all get so focused on the final score, wins, losses, when in reality, there's so much more that goes into it. And accurately depicting what happened in the game is so important. So one thing I learned a long time ago is if I, let's say I had the Eagles in that game. If I spend the next week bitching about the Eagles, that does me no good. Going in, deep diving, the box score really happened. That's what matters. If you're focused on the referees, I think that's a, a pretty big loser's mentality. I think that's the right way to look at the game. So um, that's what I think about that penalty and, and all of the headlines being made about that during the game. But my feeling was things went very similar to how we thought it would go. And that does not mean... Uh, went similar to how the public thought it would go. I'm talking about on this show. The public was all over Philadelphia. The public thought Philadelphia's defensive line was going to be so dominant, do what they did all year long. When I, on this show, two shows, it was on the Friday show and on the actual Super Bowl preview show, said I didn't think Philadelphia's defensive line was going to do what they did all year. I said that I thought Philadelphia was going to, A, be caught up against a good offensive game plan, an offensive line, an offensive scheme they hadn't seen before. Look at the quarterbacks Philadelphia faced this year. And then look at Patrick Mahomes. Like, I'm not going to go through every single game. You are going to be jawed on the floor and you're like, holy shit. I guess the Eagles did have a really easy path. Like, in the NFL, we think, at least I think, if you have the hardest schedule in the NFL, does it really matter that much? Right? This is the, the, the goddamn NFL we're talking about. The 31st schedule, there's probably not that much of a difference between that and the first schedule. Right? The NFL is very tough no matter what. But it comes down to... Look at the Eagles, the quarterback, the, the the quarterbacks the Eagles play. I'm not saying it was suddenly the easiest schedule in the last 15 years, but it was easier than people thought. And I think that point was probably even overlooked a little bit in a lot of handicaps. So that to me was my first major takeaway. The Philadelphia defensive line, no sacks, by the way, right? This overwhelmingly number one sack rate in the year. Now I'm like, oh, sacks. It's on Reddick, blah, blah, blah. No sacks in the game. And I'm not call. I'm not saying that if you thought that defensive line would show up, you're an idiot, right? That this is what everyone thought. This is what Philadelphia had done for so long. But this is also why people who watch sports the most don't do very well. And this is why ex-athletes are horrible at betting sports. It's so 
people who sit and watch the NFL religiously, and you know, Sunday NFL ticket, you watch every game, you watch every replay. Of course, you would have been on Philadelphia, right? You're betting on what you've seen. You're betting on you're betting on exactly what they've done for the last several months, every freaking week. So I get it. But here's the issue: is you don't get you, you you every time that people who are so diehards of the sport hear about math, the numbers, or why the analytics really aren't what we're seeing on the field, they think it's fake. They think it's false. They're like, oh, those fucking math nerds. What do they know? I watch the games. When in reality, it's the data and the numbers that drive the good the good handicapping positions. You see, when I first got going in sports betting, I thought. If you knew sports really well, you knew how to you knew how the games worked, you knew a lot about the players, you'd do well. The more I learned and the more I met people who were successful doing this, the more I realized they're not ex-athletes. It's the opposite. They're data people, they're numbers people. Right now you you sometimes get hybrids. I believe I am one of those hybrids. Right? I actually started off as more of a uh, in-game, you know, I love sports, but then I realized I needed more math to incorporate in there. But I thought it was just going to be this whole club of like ex-players, people who knew the sport. That's wrong. You, you want to see someone who can't pick a, an, an NBA game to save their life? Turn on you know, ESPN's uh, uh, whatever it is, around the floor or around the court with uh, you know, uh, whoever it is, right? Uh, Rachel Nichols is on there. I hear Jalen Rose picking games. It's like I, 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 was, I was hearing Larry Fitzgerald pick the Super Bowl. It's like these guys don't know what the fuck they're talking about. They're ex-players. Now, if you get Larry Fitzgerald on a field, he can tell me every little nuanced thing, what the line is doing, what these little, oh, look at him twitch there, look at the left guard, what that might be going. Larry Fitzgerald knows, has forgotten more about football than I know. But I would bet every cent I have that I would destroy him in a handicapping contest, you know? And it's funny. The, the, the single best baseball handicapper, public baseball handicapper, maybe of all time. There's been books written about him. I've read a ton of literature on him and his upbringing. He pronounced Albert Pujols, Albert Pudgels, because he didn't know anything. He didn't watch the games. He knew nothing about baseball, but he knew numbers, he knew data, and he knew how to form a predictive analysis. You know, when I went back to school to learn this stuff, the people who helped me form my sports analysis the most were simply people who knew how to do predictive processes, right? One guy was an ex-meteorologist. It's like, he helped me so much. Why? He didn't know a goddamn thing about first downs or yards after catch or any of that, but he knew the predictive process and how to incorporate important information. So to me, that's what picking games is about. The more you know, the more you watch. I used to play. Who gives a shit? That doesn't matter at all. And uh, off on a little tangent there, but all uh, this all comes back to the number. What should the number have been? And that's why we were on the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, other takeaways in the game. This was, based on a lot of things I've heard from sports books. A winning year for the books again. The books rarely lose in the Super Bowl. I think it's been once in the history. But it was also a big Super Bowl for the long shot betters. There were a lot of squares with the long shot bets that hit, like uh, uh, successful two point conversion, right? Will there be a successful two point conversion? Um, will a kick hit the goalpost? <laughs> Which, by the way, even if you cash a bet like that, it doesn't make it a good bet. Will the ball hit the goalpost was plus 450 on DraftKings, and they reported 94% of the bets coming in on the yes, right? That doesn't... Congratulations. I hope you put as much as you could, and you max it out, and you cash the bet. Just know, plus 450 was about as bad of a price as you could have gotten. So I'm glad that hit, but that's a very, very square bet. Uh, those, you know, there are just bets like that. The octopus, right? Will there be an octopus? And by the way, that's where one player scores a touchdown, and that same player scores the uh, two-point conversion for the uh, eight points. So a lot of a lot of those public long shot bets did hit, but still overwhelmingly a winning uh, day for the sports books. Uh, my final thoughts were really the coaching staff. I I was I look I thought Andy Reid did what, what 
he was expected to do. That's why we bet on the Chiefs. That's why we had them. I thought he had a great game plan. I think that he did such a good job keeping the team in it in the second half offensively. Very, very good. Um, let's talk to... <laughs> hold, I, I always call... Uh, I'll call him Stefanski. Uh, let's see here. Sirianni, Nick Sirianni. I don't know why I always go with Stefanski. I may have even said it on the show a couple times. Ah, Stefanski. It's, his name is goddamn Nick Sirianni. Um, I was really impressed with Sirianni, okay? And I, I want to kind of clump Sirianni and Jalen Hurts into the same conversation because I do believe there were there was a rhetoric out there before the game. Can Jalen Hurts actually win the big game against elite competition? And can Nick Sirianni actually coach a great game against elite competition? And I think both of them answered that that question. It's an overwhelming yes. Jalen Hurts, I'll admit, I, I was hesitant to put him in that in that next level, but he answered every question in the book for me. And it's funny because his career has been a lot of ups and downs. And I thought the ghost of college benchings past would catch up to him. Alabama and you know what happened in you know, Oklahoma, I thought some of that would catch up to him. And it didn't. He looked great. I was very impressed with Jalen Hurts. As long as he's healthy, I mean, he's going to be doing very, very good things in the NFC for a long time. And then Nick Sirianni. I mean, yes, was he bawling like a little toddler before the game to the National Anthem? Of course he was. But let's go. You know, let's go, America. I'm getting into it, too. So his game plan, the way he came out. Now, here's the one thing. They weren't asked a lot this year to respond. The Eagles never faced a quarterback coach like that who were capable of something like that. And they never faced the defense that that tried the little quirks that Kansas City did this game. And Philadelphia all year long, yes, they dominated, but they never had to switch it up and mix things up mid-game. And even though they were up 10 points in this Super Bowl, I felt like that wasn't enough. They needed to be up more in the first half because they did dominate the first half, in my opinion, much more than the scoreboard actually showed. You like Kansas City hang around, one of the best comeback teams, that's what's going to happen. But we shouldn't blame Nick Sirianni for blowing it or Jalen Hurts or anything. I think both those... Both those guys deserve a lot of credit. And I was very impressed with uh, both of them. Um, a couple more popular public bets that hit. Jalen Hurts first touchdown. Kelsey anytime touchdown. Those are the two most popular touchdown bets. A lot of the public had Hurts first touchdown. A lot of the public. Kelsey anytime touchdown. So those cash as well. And then final number here. In the money. Closing money number. 61% of the money coming in was on Philadelphia. And the overwhelming amount of that is expect or is uh, uh, suspected to have come from the public or public sports bettors. So a lot of money in on Philly. 61% of the final handle on Philly. 39% on Kansas City. So, uh, good good Super Bowl. Nice to wrap things up. And we move on. We don't have football now for several months. We're going to focus on a lot of other sports on this show. Hockey. We got uh, soccer wrapping up. Baseball starts here very soon. And I'm excited for baseball because I've been dabbling the last couple years in baseball. And then last season, as the, as the year was wrapping up in like February, probably about a year uh, or, or no, uh, as the year was wrapping up. So, what was that? Probably... Um, like September or so, I started working on a new approach to baseball, and it's 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 ready. So I'm just excited to, to kind of unleash that and get going to baseball this year. So anyway, uh, the show does not stop, even though football's over. Going to be a lot to cover on the weekends and all that stuff coming up. But it was a very good Super Bowl, 38-35. The uh, Chiefs with the win there. All right, I have a couple thoughts on the Billy Walters interview. I mentioned it earlier in the show. It's kind of a tradition now. Every year, Brent Musburger is going to sit down with Billy Walters, or at least it's been two years in a row. I hope it's every year because Billy Walters, the single greatest sports better of all time, doesn't talk much. He's only done a couple interviews. He did a like a 60 Minutes interview like 12 years ago. 
He did the Super Bowl interview last year. He did the Super Bowl interview this year. And I mean, that's pretty much it. Now, I'm really, really, really excited because he's coming out with a book uh, in August. I think the book's called Gambler or something like that. I'm not sure exactly what it's called, but Billy Walter's coming out with a book in August. We're probably going to talk about it a bunch leading up to that. It's just, it's awesome because there's not that much good information out there to actually help you in sports betting. Um, there's a few books out there right now that I love, but it, it, there's not many. I read the same like on Audible. I'll replay the same like five, six sports betting books <laughs> over and over. There's not a whole lot to listen to if you like learning about sports betting. And I think this is going to be one of those books. You know, Billy Walters has had such an amazing, uh, such a decorated life. Grew up in Kentucky. He was betting and booking then, eventually went to Vegas. So he's going to have a lot of stories. He's going to have a lot of advice and it's going to be awesome to read that. So I'm just really looking forward to that book. But I did have a couple takeaways from the interview um, and one specific thing that he said that I mentioned earlier, but Billy Walters, it's so, it's so interesting because he still, to this day, doesn't look at himself as a tout. He doesn't love giving picks, doesn't love helping the bookies, but he's just very pragmatic. He approaches things in a very strategic way. But anyone out there, even, even Billy goddamn Walters, right? Anyone out there who pretends like winning in sports is easy is generally not going to be a good sports better long term. Everyone who acts humble understands it's a fucking grind. You're going to go through ups. You're going to go through downs. And it's just, it's, 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 it was kind of cool to see Billy Walters like that because obviously this guy's a millionaire. He's been, you know, at the top of his game for decades. He said he's still betting all the time because this is something he can still do. And it was just kind of cool to see him go through the same things that everyone who does this professionally goes through. It's like, you know what, whether you're going to be Billy Walters or anyone else, the win percentage generally is going to look sort of similar. The ups and downs are going to look sort of similar. Kind of cool to see the best ever talking about that. One quote that I pulled from the interview that I talked about earlier, I'm bringing back uh, at this point in the show, really, I think, is one of the most important things if you're going to be a successful handicapper and a successful sports better. And that is accurately watching and depicting what happened in any given game. Now, it kind of related to this with the uh, Philadelphia fans blaming the refs, right? And I get it. If you're a fan, it's one thing. But if you're actually trying to win money and be objective, it's another thing. We don't want to go back and blame bullshit or things that, you know, random things for happening for our bad handicap or for or good handicap. We want to be able to, at the end of any given game, say, okay, what was the right side? Was my handicap correct? Was I on the right side or was I not on the right side? And this isn't always determined just by the final score. This is determined by what happened during the game. And you may say, what final score is important? Is that what you're betting on? The final score matters. Not that much. The final score matters a lot less than the average fan thinks it matters. And this quote from Billy Walters kind of exemplifies that very point. In the interview, Brent Musburger and Billy Walters are talking about the importance of watching games because it's important that you watch games for that very reason. You need to understand what happened in the game if you're going to understand how intrinsically good these teams are. And the one example I always use when people fo- focus on the final score and the most importantly, the wins and losses, that's what the public focus on, focuses on they shouldn't. And here's an example. If there's a football game, I don't, I don't care who's playing, Team A versus Team B, and Team A is winning 30-28 with five seconds to go. Team B has the ball on their opponent's 30-yard line. So they've got a, what, 42, 52, or whatever it be, 30-yard line, 47-yard kick, okay? So they've got a 47-yard field goal to win the game. What if they hit that? What if Team B hits the field goal and wins 31-30? Are they now an intrinsically better team than Team A? What if they miss the field goal? What if the kicker slips when he's kicking it and he misses? 
does that miskick miskick now make team B better or worse than team A? That's my point. A lot of us say, yeah, of course. A lot of those moron public players say, of course it does. That's a win. You play to win. You win your game. You play to win your game. It's like that's that's bullshit. If the if the kick goes five feet to the left, the entire team is now better or worse. No, that's ridiculous to think that way. So why would we apply that? It, why would we extrapolate that and apply that on a bigger level? It's it's crazy. So here's the quote from Billy Walters about why watching games and understanding what happened actually in the game is so important. Quote, you need to watch games because the scores can be extremely misleading. You could look at a box score. It could be very misleading. At the end of the day, you really want to know what the true score was or should have been if you're going to update your power rating for next week. And... The reason why I wanted to bring this is because I feel like so many people scoff at that idea, don't understand that idea, don't grasp that a big part of being a sports better is watching objectively. You know, sports betting is about a lot of stuff. People think it's about picking winners. That's a very small part of it. It's about picking winners. It's about putting the right amount of money down on those winners, right? But then it's also about evaluating. Did you have the right pick? Did you have the wrong pick? Because if you do all steps one and two correctly, but you just get blinded based on your own picks, you're still not going to improve yourself. So... Sports betting is a very, very, very complicated, multifaceted thing if you're going to be good at it. It's not just about picking winners. And that's what I love about that quote. There's so many more other things. One of them, you've got to watch the games, know what's happening. Truly, if you're going to update your power ratings. All right, that pretty much does it for today's show. Before we get out of here, I've got one pick for tomorrow. Now, it's an NHL game, and this just came out right before we recorded today. Uh, these lines, by the way, if you want to bet the opening lines like I do, they're general. They're generally released by Bet Online. but it's funny. What I've noticed this year is Bet Online is kind of passing that baton a little bit to DraftKings. Uh, I've seen some games and some situations where Bet Online was not the first one to release a line, which is very interesting because for years, Bet Online has offered the openers. And this year, they're getting a little scared. And I think they're waiting for DraftKings to put some up uh, at times. But this game was available on Bet Online earlier. I don't think it's available anywhere else, but I want to give it out right now. That's what we do. There's value. If you can bet this, great. Or if you're not, at least you kind of know our buy price. Uh, tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night in the NHL, we're going to take the New Jersey Devils minus 140 at the St. Louis Blues. St. Louis is a selling team. They've gotten rid of some of the, I mean, the feeling right now in the Blues locker room is so different, right? It's just not that classic Blues team they're used to. And I, I think that I actually believe if any team kind of rebuilding, resetting, the Blues will be able to do it quicker than most NHL teams. I just think that right now things are a little rocky and what's happening in these, in these, uh, prices, the whole season is being incorporated in this price. And I think that's that's a, a, a mistake in the market right now. I believe we need to incorporate a lot of recency, especially for these two teams, New Jersey, third or four. It's either third out of four games on the road or fourth out of fifth games or out of five games on the road. But either way, you know my whole feeling about the last game on a road trip. This does not fall into that category. They've been playing very well. And I think the close couple games recently will bring the best defense out of, out of uh, New Jersey. So... I've got my price here, Devils minus 155, St. Louis plus 155. Therefore, we have some value on the New Jersey Devils minus 140. And just again, to go over that, that's what a final line looks like when you come up with one. It's a no vig line, right? So every line that I have for like baseball or any money line sport like uh, uh, hockey, if one team is, you know, minus 132, the other team is going to be plus 132. So that's, that's kind of how that works. So for this game, I have... Uh, minus 155 for the Devils and plus 155 for the uh, Blues. The actual price right now, pulling it up, is uh, minus 140 for the Devils 
and plus 128 for the Blues. So think about it. If my line was 155, let's look at both teams. I had plus 155 for the Blues. They're plus 128. That's clearly not a play, right? That's a worse price than we had. We had 155, they're 128, so we passed that. New Jersey, we had minus 155, they're minus 140. And that provides us a nice little cushion enough for us to make the bet. So my buy price for this, I like this all the way up to minus 148. But currently, New Jersey, minus 140 is the bet that we're going to give out. So, all right, that does it uh, for today's podcast. Hopefully it was a nice one. We're back. Oh, we're back. And uh, hopefully you all did well in the Super Bowl and anything else you had going on this weekend. So stay tuned. I'm not sure what the hell we're going to be doing later this week, but it'll be good. We'll have some nice shows. And uh, until then, good luck, whatever you have going on today or tonight. We'll talk to you tomorrow right here on Sports Betting Daily.